Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Whoa, get ready, Bambalam. Whoa, get ready, Bambalam. Edition as we preview Sunday's season opener against the dreaded, hated, but grudgingly respected Pittsburgh Steelers. Coming up, I'll go one on one with former Steeler Mike Hilton. You'll also hear from Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and other Bengals players. And then in our Know the Foe segment, we chat with former Steelers offensive lineman Max Starks, who is now a member of Pittsburgh's broadcast team. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since this week's Ruler of the Jungle. The atmosphere this Sunday at Paycor Stadium is going to be incredible as Bengals fans welcome back the defending AFC champs. And I couldn't be more thrilled that the team has selected my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, to be the ruler of the jungle and lead fans in the Who Day chant before the game. Lapp spent 10 seasons in a Bengals uniform, and this is his 37th year in the broadcast booth. Aside from Mike Brown and members of his family, nobody has been more closely associated with the franchise than Lapp. I look forward to the ovation he receives when he takes the throne on Sunday, and I can't wait for that day somewhere down the road when Lapp is inducted into the Bengals' ring of honor. He is a great broadcaster and a better friend. Now, time to preview Sunday's game against the Steelers, beginning with my conversation with Bengals cornerback Mike Hilton. Mike, you are 2-0 against your former team. The combined score last year was 65-20. to when you face Pittsburgh, is it still a big deal, or now that it's been more than a year, has some of that faded? Yeah, it's still a big deal. Uh, number one, because it's a division game. You know, no matter what side I'm on, we know division games count more. And, you know, obviously being on this side with these guys, you know, our last couple games we've been dominating, so we're just trying to keep that train rolling. How strange is it going to be to look across the line of scrimmage and not see Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback? I was going to be different, but, you know, that time was coming, and, you know, I'm pretty sure that's a big adjustment for those guys over there. But we know we, we still got a job to do, and that's go out there and win. So uh, we're, we're excited to go out there and play Sunday. You were there for four seasons and part of a fifth, so you know Mike Tomlin well. He's never had a losing season in 15 years as a head coach. That's the all-time NFL record. If you had to pick out a couple of things that's allowed him to be so successful, what would they be? Uh, if I pick out just two things, number one, his confidence um, and just what he knows, how he goes about coaching and how, how he just, you know, leads leads a, a group of men. You know, both of those things are just qualities of him that really shows how great of a coach he is. And I had the time, the four years to experience that with him. And I, honestly, I have a lot the utmost respect for him and what he brings to that organization. Let's talk about the Bengals. As a defensive starter, you did not appear in any preseason games. Are you wondering how well the team will tackle in week one with that in mind? Yes, yeah, always a, a, a thought in mind, but you know, we still got a job to do and we got the easiest way to tackle, get a lot of heads to the football. And, you know, the more heads you get to the football, obviously the better, the better your chance to tackle. So, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come with time, but we got to make sure uh, we're tackling well Sunday. We're chatting with Mike Hilton. He had a great first year in Cincinnati, a couple of interceptions during the regular season, including the pick six off Big Ben. You had another huge interception in the postseason against Tennessee. Most importantly, you helped the Bengals get to the Super Bowl. 
but you didn't have a sack. Yeah. You've always been known <laughs> for sacks. Are you putting the pressure on Lou Anarumo to let you go after the quarterback a little more? Oh, uh, no, we, we've had conversations. Um, obviously, he knows that that's what I'm best at, but, you know, he, he wants to time it up to when that blitz is called, it's going to get hit home. So, you know, me, me being the type of player I am, whatever coach calls, I'm going to go out there and do my job 100%. You were very public in pushing for Jesse Bates to get a contract extension, and unfortunately the two sides were not able to reach an agreement. How does he look to you, both on the field and in the locker room? Oh, he looks good. You can tell he's been uh, down wherever he was training well. Um, obviously it might be a little different football shape compared to a true off-season shape, but we, we, we know how much Jesse loves his game and how much he puts into it, and you know we'll be excited to see how he is um, come Sunday. How uh, excited are you to charge out of the tunnel on Sunday as defending AFC champions? Oh, it's a big deal, man. You know, um, like I said, we're the defending AFC champions, so the target is on our back, and we, we, we love that. You know, we, we were we, we were used to being the hunters, now we're the hunted, and, you know, that, that comes with a lot of confidence, so guys are excited about this opportunity. I thought in training camp that it looked like the defense picked up right where it left off in the postseason. Did you feel the same way? For sure. Um, that, that's guys just – having another year on the Coach Lou system, you know, uh, communicating well with each other, knowing what each other are going to do. So we're setting each other up for, uh, to make the play. So the, the way we've been communicating and flying around, you know, I'm excited to go out there and put it on tape. I know you've been asked a lot about Dax Hill. What's unusual about him as a rookie? Really how versatile he is. Um, he, he can play any sec- really any position in the secondary and do it, you know, well. You know, he, he's the guy that we're looking forward to this year. If somebody happens to go down, we know he can step in and we won't lose a beat. So we're excited about what he can bring to the table. Does he seem like a rookie? Not at all, man. He, he's, he's smart. Uh, he's always asking questions. He's just real. He love, You can tell he loves the game of football. And, you know, he, he really just is open to veteran words and whoever they're trying to help him. So we're excited about him. Last thing for Mike Hilton, you're widely considered to be one of the top slot corners in the NFL, and most teams play nickel most of the time now. Should there be a specific spot on the Pro Bowl roster for a slot corner in this day and age? Absolutely. Uh, at, at this point, a slot corner is a, a true starter. Um, everybody knows the game is more wide open pass and spread, so we feel like you, it, your, your third corner is – Honestly, I feel like your best corner because it's the most versatile. He has to be in the box some plays, and nine out of ten times he's covering the best route runners and slot receivers. So I personally feel like a slot corner should be on the Pro Bowl roster. I think it's a no-brainer, which is one of the reasons why I asked the question. And if it happens, I think Mike Hilton will get his uh, long-awaited first opportunity to go to a Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah, man. I'm excited to see what this season withholds. And, uh, you know, I'm just trusting my preparation throughout the offseason. And up to this point, I'm just ready to go out there and play ball. Best of luck this year. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mike is obviously not the only Bengal with Pittsburgh ties. Tyler Boyd was born there and played his college football at Pitt. But it took a while to beat his hometown team. After Boyd joined the Bengals in 2016, the team dropped nine straight to the Steelers before finally getting over the hump in that memorable Monday night game just before Christmas two years ago, a game highlighted by Von Bell's famous hit on Juju Smith-Schuster. Here's Tyler Boyd. The Cincinnati Bengals have never opened a season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you feel about opening against... uh, a bitter division rival. Yeah, you know, I love open up to any of our rivals in the division, but Pittsburgh specifically, you know, that's where I'm from. And 
I mean, I love playing against the team. I mean, the the the, the, the uh, team where I'm from. You know, so um, I know it's going to be a tough game. You know, and um, we're not going to overlook them and look past them. But it's going to be a dogfight. You know, it's going to be a good one. You swept them last year. The combined score was 65 to 20. How much satisfaction did you take in those two wins in particular? I mean, it was probably the most satisfying because, I mean, my whole career they've been putting the beating on us, you know, each and every year. Winning and beating us two times, and I could never beat them now. The tables turned, and, I mean, I mean, I'm, it's just satisfying to me now that we finally got their number. Is it going to be weird to line up against the Steelers and not see Roethlisberger on the opposite sideline? Yeah, yes, it is. It's going to be very interesting to see how they – how the quarterback play goes, you know, because Roethlisberger, he's a he's a he's a he's a um, Hall of Famer. So you know, you go against a guy like him, you know, you got to be tightened up when you crash. You you, you have to make the best out of your opportunities. But um, uh, they 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 still have great players over there. But um, I think I think we'll go to pull it off. We're visiting with Tyler Boyd as one of the starters. You did not play in any preseason games. He wouldn't have played a lot anyway. But did you get the work you needed in those two? practices against the Rams yeah and just uh every day I work you know I come in take taking it like a game rep you know because I still need to get my conditioning in I still need to polish polish up a few things tweak a few routes how I'm gonna run certain routes you know just just because we didn't play um doesn't mean we're not still all tuned in and sound in, in the offense you know we're, we're still preparing as if we played that week you know and um I'm just I'm just super super excited to get out there and actually play in the game you know so I think we'll be we'll, we'll be more than ready you're going to take the field as AFC champions. Is that going to be a, a special feeling coming out of the tunnel, knowing the way the fans are going to respond? It's going to be very special, you know, because it's probably going to be a sellout. You know, it's going to be going crazy nuts, first home game. Um, it's, it's, it's going to drive us, you know, and it's going to give us more energy. And we got home for the advantage. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all set up for us to go out there and, and, and start off right, you know, but we should all go out there and do it. Since coming back from his appendectomy, Joe Burrow looks good to me, but he says he's not quite all the way back. Can you detect you know, the slightest difference in Joe, peak Joe versus current Joe? Not at all, you know, but I think my intake on what he what he's mean when he say that is he can always get better. You know, he always feel like if he's at 100%, then he's really not because he knows um, something about his game he want to continue to improve on, you know, anything, because he always shocks you. You always, like, was not expecting that like wow like it doesn't even seem like he was hurt you know he's he's dialed in he's ready to go man it's just he just so he's a surprising player he always ex- exceeds at the big moments got three straight wins against your hometown team best of luck making it four on sunday yes sir appreciate you that's tyler boyd when the Bengals take the field on sunday it will be 47 days after joe burrow's appendectomy When we learned about his surgery, doctors who weren't specifically treating Burrow described it as a routine procedure and suggested that Joe could be back in a week to 10 days. But not all appendectomies are created equal. Joe's appendix burst. It was extremely painful, and he might have lost as many as 15 pounds following surgery. He's put the weight back on and, for lack of a better word, has looked normal at practice. Here's Dave Lapham. I, I liked everything that he did. When he went out there in the golf cart, he couldn't really move around. So when they ran gasters, he was doing it in the golf cart to be part of the team. You know, I mean, everything he was doing was sending a message to his teammates and to everybody associated with the organization. And, uh, yeah, Joe's a quick healer. And he's uh, dedicated 
to his craft. There's no question about that. When I watch him throw now, I really don't see any hesitation in the torquing that I was waiting to see how that advanced. I mean, like in every sport, starts with your feet and legs and ends with your upper body and your arms and hand, and throwing the football is that as well. And that core torquing that goes on in that transition process from lower to upper body is vital. And he really accentuated that and changed his, uh, the dynamic of his motion to try to get a little more velocity and not lose any accuracy, and he did that successfully. And now it's back. I, I think he's, he's, he's putting the ball in tight spots with good RPMs. And as a, as a off, former offensive lineman, right now my mindset is I can't let my guy touch Joe Burrow. Can't put a fingernail on Joe Burrow. And I think Joe's going to be very, uh, very quick with his reads, get the ball out, check it down if need be. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to play with any sort of fear, but I think he's going to play with a sense of urgency to not hold on to the football. He's, he's, tr- he tr- he's trying to find that fine line between holding it, extending, and creating, and not taking that big hit, you know, running out of bounds when you can, and not taking that big hit, as opposed to just getting the ball out and protect yourself that way. And I thought down the stretch, his interceptions decreased, everything. He, he figured it out. And if, if there's any guy that can figure it out, it's number nine. That, that dude's got a mind on him. Last year, Joe Burrow led the NFL in completion percentage, set franchise records for passing yards and touchdown throws, and was especially lethal down the stretch, throwing 16 touchdown passes and only two interceptions in his final eight games, including playoffs. In that eight-game stretch, when it mattered most, Joe averaged 323 passing yards and had a passer rating of 116. So, what sparked his incredible play? I wouldn't say there's anything that helped spark it. I think I just started understanding what it takes to to win in the league. You know, every game calls for a different Joe. You know, if our defense is playing great, I got to protect the ball. We got to run the ball well. You know, take the opportunities when they're there, but don't don't push anything. If you know they're scoring a lot on the other other side of the ball, I might have to take some chances. If we're not running the ball as well, I might have to take some chances that maybe I wouldn't otherwise in in a different game so just every game calls for something different do you have a favorite joe (laughs) the one that throws for 530 yards (laughs) for the record he only threw for 525 when he set the team record against baltimore only 525 burrow did that behind a leaky offensive line and the bengals addressed it jonah williams who is younger than burrow is back at left tackle but the other four guys are new Rookie Cordell Volson, and free agents Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lael Collins. When they take the field on Sunday, it will be the first time they've taken a snap together in a game. Collins was injured for much of training camp, and Volson didn't win the left guard job until the week of the final preseason game. This unit has basically had three weeks to practice together. Is that enough time? Here's Lap. Can they come together quickly? They can. They can but I, I think it would be foolhardy to think in the very first drive against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to be playing as well as they're playing like, I, like I'm, I'm thinking even in the second half of the Steelers game. I'm not sure it comes together that quickly, but I don't think it's going to take that long. Um, you know, it's just it's a matter of finishing things. And what I saw, 
against uh, the Rams in those two days of practice, the one thing that I saw that I really liked, they definitely have an edge. They're not going to take it. They're going to try to dish it out. They're not going to take Guff. They're going to they're gonna try to give Guff. So uh, I, I like that aspect of it. Now you have to keep your composure. You don't want to get ki- penalized or kicked out of games. Uh, you, you can't have that. You, you can't have mayhem out there. But you, can't, you don't want to be in a situation where you're counterpunching all the time. You want to be able to punch some. And I think these guys all have a mentality where they're going to be aggressive and punch some. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they're about and how they can get things, uh, get things figured out quickly. This football game, like every opener, is going to be adjustments and adjustments to adjustments. And a lot of times, Dan, it's too late by the time you get to the sideline. You have to figure it out on the football field. So Ted Karras, recently elected captain, I mean, it's like you're going to have to uh, apply your rules, maybe adjust techniques. You're almost going to have to self-coach out there. You don't want to one, two, three, and out and come to the sideline and have Frank cussing you out and you're greaseboarding things up. You, you might have to make some adjustments during the course of the first drive. They adjust to what you adjust, adjustments to adjustments. This, this opener, because coaches have so long to prepare for it, it could be like a big chess match. And I, I do think that Karras, Kappa, and Collins, you know, I think they may be able to uh, compete in that chess match, hopefully checkmate. If the line is significantly better, Burrow isn't the only player who stands to benefit. Last year, Joe Mixon rushed for 1,205 yards and 13 touchdowns. He added 314 receiving yards and three more TDs. Those numbers earned him Pro Bowl recognition, but Mixon says he can do much better. Man, left a lot of yards out there on the field. I mean, everybody see all the, you know, the splash plays and things like that, and they see the yards. But I left probably about like 400, 500 yards on the field. Um, and obviously about 10 touchdowns left on the field last year. So if we could just clean, you know, certain things up, one from my end and probably one block away or anything like that, I mean, that could potentially turn into even more, you know, what you guys pretty much see, you know what I'm saying? So um, we definitely could improve, but um, that starts week one, you know. Um, it obviously starts in practice, starting in camp when we first reported, but Um, Like I said, I look forward to, you know, what the year brings. So Joe says he left 400 to 500 yards on the field. If he added 400 to last year's total, that would put him over 1,600 yards for the season. The team record is 1,458, set by Rudy Johnson. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, let's turn to the Steelers, a team that went 9-7-1 in Ben Roethlisberger's final season and made the playoffs before losing by three touchdowns at Kansas City. The strength of the team is defense. Pittsburgh led the league in sacks, In each of the last five years, led by NFL Defensive Player of the Year T.J. Watt, who tied the NFL's single-season record with 22.5 sacks last season. He's joined up front by five-time Pro Bowler Cam Hayward. Tyson Alualu is back from injury after only playing in two games. And the Steelers have added Larry Ogunjobi, who had 7.5 sacks for the Bengals last season. 
Here's Zach Taylor. There's a lot of good fronts in this league. Pittsburgh's always one of them. And they're, they're probably coming to the game healthy. It's week one. Um, they're always motivated anytime we play a divisional team, us and them. So, again, it's, it's a really difficult test in week one because we know what they're about. We had one of their players last year. We know he's a really good player. We think highly of him. Um, you know, Tyson's back off, off the injury from a year ago. We've got a ton of respect for him. Um, I thought Highsmith was really coming along last year as well. We know T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward are two of the, the best players in the league at their positions. Um, and then they got a lot of really good players behind them as well. So <clears throat> it's a really good defense from, from you know, the front all the way back. Offensively, the Steelers have a Pro Bowl running back in Najee Harris, who rushed for 1,200 yards as a rookie, and wide receiver Deontay Johnson, who had 107 catches for more than 1,100 yards. Mitchell Trubisky is Ben Roethlisberger's successor at quarterback. He made the Pro Bowl back in his second NFL season and is eight games over 500 as a starting quarterback with a career passer rating of 87.0. But he never quite lived up to being the number two pick in the NFL draft. I asked Lap why. You come in as the second pick in the draft, the expectations are like you are going to be a Hall of Famer immediately. You're going to, you know, Peyton Manning set an NFL record for interceptions this rookie year, 21. I think it was 21. And, no, they didn't give up on him. I think, I think there was a, a little bit, you know, Trubisky's in a big market up in Chicago, second pick of the draft, didn't light it up. You know, it just played decently, but not like, oh, what a, what a bust. Second pick of the draft, you kidding me? I mean, if he had gone there as a fourth-round pick, might have been a little different situation. I think it was just the pressure of where he was drafted. And that's, that's not on him. That's on Ryan Pace, I think, was the general manager at that time. And uh, he no longer is the general manager of the Chicago Bears. In this week's Know the Foe segment, former Pittsburgh offensive lineman Max Starks, who is now part of the Steelers broadcast team, joined Lap and me on the Bengals game plan show. Well, Max, I'll tell you what. You're a hell of a player. A big man. My understanding is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line is the lowest paid offensive line in the National Football League. My thing is, why don't they have you go out there, play, play a little tackle, give you a little bit of money? I mean, change your job description a little bit. What would you think about that? <laughs> well, listen, after seeing Jason Peters at 40 get on practice squad, don't you. think it didn't cross my mind, but I think, I, I think I'm beyond my prime. I like the way my knees feel. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Well, Max, let's talk about that offensive line because both of these teams have a lot of changes up front. The Bengals signed three free agents who will start on the offensive line. The Steelers signed a couple of right. them. Is that the Steelers' biggest question mark in your mind going into the season? Uh, I, I, th- I think it's going to be one of, one of the uh, biggest question marks. I think when you look at last year and then this year needing to bring in two free agents. Um, Something, I mean, similar, you look at the Bengals, the same kind of situation where it's a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience. So how do you you supplement that? You have to go out and you have to get guys in free agency. But, Dave, you can can talk about this as well. It takes time for an offensive line to gel. It's not like I can put five of the best guys out there and they're just going to get it immediately. Like, it's a certain nuanced type of position where you have to feel comfortable. You have to get in a group with one another to understand each other's responsibilities, how they think, how they communicate. So, I mean, it is going to be one of the questions that I'm especially going to be watching very closely this season. 
couldn't agree with you more, Max. It's like, you know, these guys, okay, you pick up a center that's won two Super Bowls with the Patriots. The right guard won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. Common denominator, Tom Brady's the quarterback. You pick up a tackle that <laughs> playoff uh, games with the Cowboys. They, they've all seen it. They all know what it's supposed to look like. They've all had success, but they haven't played a snap next to each other. And people like, you know, like, ah, come on. And, and it is, if you want five to play like one, it takes a little bit of time. It doesn't happen overnight, right? Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, you look at when Cleveland had a really good offensive line. They played together for a couple of years. Dallas, for a long time, they had played together for a number of years, and it took time. It took multiple drafts over many years to get them all on the same page. And I think that's where, you know, I make this comparison. I said it's a crock pot, not a microwave, when you're trying to create a great offensive line. It just it takes time, and you have the right pieces. You know, and I love the pieces you guys have with Karras, Kappa and Collins, but it once again, they never played together. They've had individual successes at different places, but it's going to take time for them to get together. That's a great analogy. Can I steal yeah, that? Yeah, we'll give you credit. We'll give you credit <laughs> <Yeah>. for it. <laughs> yeah. Max Starks is our guest, former Steelers O lineman, now part of their broadcast team. Let's talk about quarterback. They signed Mitchell Trubisky in the offseason. Then they drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round. He was the first quarterback selected in this year's draft. Was there any doubt in your mind that Trubisky would be the starter to begin the season? And how did he look to you at training camp? You know, I, I wondered. I wondered how open the competition was going to be. And if things are all equal, would Mitch be able to overcome Mason, who'd been in the system, and obviously Kenny Pickett being a first-round pick. But, you know, as I went through camp, as I watched it, Mitch impressed me. Mitch had a cool, calm, collected nature about him. He didn't get frazzled. He didn't get frustrated. He was a very good communicator with the rest of his team. And I think that was one of the things that sold me on the leadership aspect, right? The quarterback has to be the unequivocal leader. And when I looked at what he had to offer, plus he had a winning record, plus he knows what it takes to get to the playoffs, I said, well, it's undoubtedly he's going to be the guy probably after week two of preseason. I was pretty sold on it. And then, you know, for Kadamon to come out and give that blessing, I thought was the final, you know, obviously the final when, when a coach gives you the blessing, the head coach. Um, but I thought, he, I thought he was the right man for the job of the three. So defensively for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Keith Butler retires, Terrell Austin takes over. He'd been on the staff. Uh, he and Mike Tomlin have a history. Um, and then Mike Tomlin also brings in Brian Flores as a linebacker coach, uh, senior defensive assistant. They've all got, you know, Brian Flores is like, I'm blitz. I'm going to play man behind it. Um, you know, Butler was zone blitz kind of guy. Uh, Mike Tomlin has his kind of philosophy defensively. What, what is it going to be? What do you think? Do you, will it be a mix? Will, will Mike Tomlin say, this is what we're doing? I don't care what you guys say. How, how do you think those meetings have gone? What kind of input do you think is going on there? Well, I think Terrell Austin has the, has the ultimate say. I mean, the one good thing about Mike Tomlin is is that he allows his coaches to coach, and he allows his coordinators to have the autonomy, which is nice. And I think having a Brian Flores gives you a, a different perspective and a different eye to look at defensive concepts, especially when you're looking at offenses and how to combat them. So I think, I think it's a good marriage and a good mix of everything, and we've seen it all throughout camp. So I expect them to be varied. Um, obviously, in today's NFL, with the, with the prevalence of 11 personnel, you're going to see a lot more nickel and sub package than you will see base um, fronts. Yep. 
So I think from that perspective, it just you have to stay flexible, especially when you're playing in the NFL. Because I mean, teams around this league they change year in and year out. There's high turnover, so you can't really be traditional like Keith Butler was for such a long time. Rap and I were also joined on Wednesday's show by former Bengals safety Solomon Wilcox, who hosts the opening drive show on Sirius XM NFL Radio and the Believe in Bengals podcast with Adam Jones. Here's a few minutes of our conversation with Solly, beginning with his thoughts on Joe Burrow. The guy is here to win. He is, he's here to, for nothing else. You don't see the big-time endorsements. You don't see his face blast all over every opportunity and Trust me, he's got plenty. Yep. He's here to win. That's, that's his goal. It's a single, solitary focus. I think it's refreshing to have young people like that who really understand what it's about. And uh, The guy's a force multiplier because yeah. everyone else, they say, well, oh, I'm going to do what he's doing. Yep. Yep. And that's, he's that kind of leader. And like you mentioned there, he's one of those guys, first one in the building, last to leave. Yeah. So now other guys in the team, man, look what Joe's doing. Am I doing enough? Man. Why Joe didn't have to be in here for all this. I, I better pick it up. That stuff, man, that builds. That builds good stuff. The stories coming out of his hometown, and they're real. You know, but they're legendary. They become folklore. You hear <laughs> right. It's like Bo Jackson, you know. But, but these are all about strength of character stuff. Like, that's – it's not like these superhuman, physical, athletic feats. It's just what kind of kid he is, what kind of young man he is, who his parents are and what they're about and how they taught him a – and you could see it playing out. I mean, you know, when I talked to some friends, I was watching him his senior year at LSU. I said, look, this is a guy that could have quit. He's a hometown boy and the biggest school in the, in the state, one of the best in the nation, told him, we don't want you anymore. Ohio State <laughs> told him they didn't want him. And he found a team, found a place, and look what he did with it. I think that tells you a lot about who he is. No doubt. And look what he did for us. It took him 25 games. All okay. of 25 All games. of 25, yeah. 20, yeah, he, you know, 25 games. And he went, <laughs> took us from down here yeah. to here. We ought to appreciate this and enjoy the ride. Sally, you were at training camp. You two guys did a broadcast uh, together for Sirius XM Radio. What stood out to you being around this team this year during camp? They're better. Mm. They're just better. Um, T. Higgins is better. Monster. Uh, he's I mean, big, man. But he's big, and now you can tell two years, the first two years. Even the second half of last year, he was a different player than he was in the beginning of last year. And I'm telling you right now, I think, I think Jamar Chase, I think his arrival has awakened something in, in T. You could see that in the Super Bowl. But you, I just love his energy. I love his size advantage. I love he's got fly paper hands that – if he wants to go up and possess it at the highest point, he's coming down with the ball. He's got Randy Moss-like, you know, dimensions to his, to his skill set. So um, defensive uh, line, I think they're deeper. I think they're, they have a better rotation. Um, I think the secondary has a better rotation and have more speed and versatility on the back end. So I think we'll be better defensively. Clearly, our offensive line is going to be no better. Doubt. I mean, that's no doubt. Like that's easy. You didn't bring me here to tell you that, right? <laughs> but no, we're and, and then the players. Jamar Chase is going to be better. Year number two is going to be better. Remember, he didn't play his final year in college. Twenty twenty sat out. So last year was this real curve. He hit a wall. He persevered, and you see the numbers he put up. Think about now with a real offseason to train what he's going to look like. So. I think we're better in a lot of different ways from the neck up, psychologically and academically in terms of knowing what to do and alignment and assignment stuff. 
uh, they'll be a better football team. Before I wrap things up, here's an invitation to join us at the Buffalo Wings and Rings location in Oakley for the Bengals Pep Rally Show this Friday from 3 to 6. Mike Hilton will join us in the final hour of that show and we'll have plenty of giveaways throughout. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.